This is Kerry Watt, you're tuned into Neptune's Talker, the podcast where I talk all about my debut album, Neptune's Daughter. And today on the podcast is really exciting because not only is she one of my oldest friends, she's also been super involved in the album, which we'll tell you all about. So Millie Upton, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Millie and I met, I think, 14 years ago. We went to the same musical theatre college, Lane Theatre Arts in London. We were both kind of there as singers who weren't very good at the dancing part. Yeah. <laughs> and um, Millie actually taught me to play my first few chords on guitar. God, is that so true? Years, it is true. Mm. Years before the album, you were sowing the seeds for it. God, what, what, what was the song? We were learning The Cave by Mumford & Sons oh yeah is this what and then we went to a festival that summer and like any poor passerby we'd be like hey want to hear us sing (laughs) and we'd do like a little duet (laughs) yes oh I feel really proud I didn't didn't remember that that I told you that that's cool you also took me to my first and second and maybe even third ever music festival I'd never been to one before we started going together oh great these are good these are good claims to fame yeah. Yes, we went. I think we did a. Did we do two in one summer, or we definitely did some summers back to back. Yeah, and we would we would like not have tickets for these festivals. We would just drive there, hoping that we could kind of either smuggle our way in or sweet talk our way in, and it it always seemed to work, didn't it? Yeah, like it really did. It really did. I love a blag, and I love trying to get away with things. And we were both in the same kind of mood back then to do that. Like we'd decide on a, we'd just decide on Friday during a school class or whatever. And then we'd just leave. Yeah. And I remember one of them as well, because we were so underprepared, we did have to sleep in your car for the whole thing. Like we tried, did we try and pitch it in? I think we tried work? and we ended up like out on the grass in the cold. So then we moved to the car, <laughs> which was so uncomfortable. <laughs> we were very underprepared, but, but we had loads of yeah. luck, like, I remember um, some guy, this sounds like a completely made up story, but it's totally true. <laughs> some guy at a festival walking up to us and just giving us 20 quid. Yeah, that? That, is the, that is the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm remembering. We must have had like a great vibe happening because that was also the same festival that we randomly got those two free pizzas. Yeah, I don't know that they were... I don't think we were given them for free. I think someone called out two cheese pieces and we went, yep, that's us. I didn't want to include that part. Yeah, basically we robbed some, but we did a successful rob. It felt like a very innocent rob because it was like, no one else said, yes, that's us. We were like, well, let's just say that, yes. We were in the right place at the right time. And we were young and we were having fun. Yeah, it was really good. Anyway, before we get too sidetracked, reminiscing about old stories, let's talk a little bit about... Millie Upton's history you I think have a really exciting story to tell because you started off well your mum's a music teacher for a start so you grew up with music it's in your blood it's in your bones yeah 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 no I do think that I think my truest thing is music that's not really an eloquent way of putting it but yeah I feel like it's just never not sung never never not done it so and that 
led you at quite a young age to Sylvia Young's, which is like the best high school, theatre school in the UK. Yeah, yeah, that was... I went there when I was 12 and up till then I lived down in Brighton and I'd just been doing all sorts of little theatre things down there. And then Sylvia's was kind of amazing because you moved away from home, obviously. And back then, I don't know, I think it's quite big now, but it was tiny then. So there were just like 20 of you in every class. It was great. I think it's funny because I've since, you know, now that I'm older, I've had some people that have asked about maybe sending their kids there or people that like just inquire about what that kind of school was like. And for me, it was amazing. I mean, all the, all the performance opportunities and the classes were great, but I think it was just this, it was quite mad. Like we did three days of just singing, dance and drama. And I just feel like you're, you were so valued on like your creativity and obviously like ability to dance and sing and whatever else, but it just felt like a real change from where I'd been before where, you know, if you weren't great at science or you weren't great at maths or English, then you were probably a bit thick or whatever, that kind of thing. And then you went to Sylvia's and it felt like that didn't exist at all anymore. It was just everyone was sort of valued in a bit of a different way, which was really good for me at that time. But I, yeah, I, as a result, I am like don't know a thing about science or history <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> but then when you came to Lane Theatre Arts, um, I was the year above you. So I was already there when you arrived. And I don't think we had any Sylvia students in my year, but you guys arrived as a little tribe from Sylvia's there was like three or four of you and it was just obvious that you had kind of had that confidence in yourself built into you at the school which a lot of us who were a little bit older were still trying to learn yeah maybe yeah I think that they they at a very young age you had you were given quite big adult responsibilities and really taught to like deal with rejection you know with auditions and things and just sort of taught that you had to really like earn your place somewhere really believe in yourself and just even mad things like now the idea of doing some of the things they used to make us do just I remember like one of my first days at that school in my head you had to get up on a table and do this but that could that could be a memory (laughs) that's not quite true but it, it was like as it was so exposing I feel like it was like you had to stand up on a table and just like jazz scat all over some open bars of music just alone and then it was so much of it was like getting up in mad dark drama classes and just doing lots of things that if you didn't have confidence you would like just be in a heap on the floor every week yeah but then lanes oh that's cool that you could feel that I didn't god I didn't feel like that at all when I went to lanes I felt like a mouse (laughs) no no definitely well I think also it probably helped because you guys um came together you know you already knew people whereas for most of us like when I turned up at Lane's on my first day I didn't know anyone I moved into this house share with three other random kids because we were I mean we were all so young and suddenly went from you know like living at home to being like a teenager living alone with three other teenagers in not even in a dorm room in a house and um and just having to kind of figure out from day one which was really exciting and scary I suppose but I think it was cool like you say with Sylvia's to suddenly be in a place where everyone was on the same wavelength like everyone was there because they were passionate about performing and entertainment and that was something I just you know had never found here growing up in Glasgow yeah 
that element of it was amazing and I think I think you're right then within that bubble of people that all want to do the same thing there's also then bubbles of people who want to do really different versions of the same thing which is why me and you became friends yeah anyway moving away from lens once we both graduated we both did a bit of the musical theater thing and auditions were you know I don't know if people who haven't been in that game know what it's like but they are they are hard and they are um kind of like we used to call them like a cattle call like you would turn up and there'd be 500 other girls that looked just like you that had the same abilities and you would have to somehow outshine them all to get apart and it was it's it's difficult especially being Mm. so young and there's so much rejection in that musical theater game oh yeah and then also on top of being rejected you're being rejected wearing like tap shoes and a leotard which is just not a vibe ever (laughs) (laughs) with like too much makeup on and perfectly curled hair and you have to go into a room for like five seconds yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, but you you did well you did amazingly well like you did Jekyll and Hyde what else did you do Mm. well I did a panto and I did Jekyll and Hyde and it was on the Jekyll and Hyde tour which was a year long so I did I gave it a couple of years that that's where I really sort of started honing in on my guitar skills and learning to write songs at a total parallel to you who was doing the same thing living in London writing your own songs and starting to gig and Mm. so that's kind of that's what you that's your history too a singer songwriter artist gigging all around London playing festivals that's a big part of your life yes yeah we had really similar trajectory from musical theatre college into like into yeah being a singer songwriter and we lived really close, which was cool as well. Yeah, I think in all the three or four places we lived, we always lived within like a street of each other. <laughs> yeah, we did. That was great. Yeah, and we did some nice little songs on YouTube if anyone wants to go and watch. We did, yeah. <laughs> no, we did um, uh, the Hosier cover of Work Song, which is something that's just sat on YouTube for like seven years now and just accumulates views, even though we've never tried to promote it or anything, which is quite nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to look back to sometimes. Yeah. And then you had really unfortunate issue with your voice and had to get an operation, which was rubbish. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it kind of led you towards another really exciting path, which has evolved over the past eight years or so. You went to work at a voiceover agency. I went to work at a studio, which was a like audio post-production studio so it was a lot of voiceovers there and a lot of um, mixing for like really big tv shows and we had some mad guests over the years so you're right yeah then I did that because yeah it was really nice and interesting and a fun thing to do alongside all the gigging and stuff and then that sort of developed into an actual interest and career in tv and film stuff now can we just talk about how David Attenborough was one of your clients at that studio Oh yeah, every he there because we were we were like the only studio that he would record in for a while, so it was like a weekly thing. Yeah. I've got a letter under my bed from him because he once left his coat at the studio, and I dropped it back round to his house or something, and then he wrote a really sweet letter saying thanks for dropping back my coat. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah, he's great. No, he was a gem. He was the loveliest person. Like. We had a lot of people who could be a bit demanding and things just as always, but he was like, 
would do hours and hours of recording and like never needed more than a black coffee and a cheese sandwich and like it was just lovely yeah what a legend so that then kind of led you into like you say film and tv work which you have a really exciting career in now and which leads us to your involvement in the album in one area anyway we'll talk about the the videos first but we kind of been trying to find something to collaborate on for a while and when I had the song Kissing Fools, I came to you, this, we were in this little cafe in like West Hampstead or something. I don't know why we met there, what we were doing there. And I kind of pitched this, this song to you and said, I'm looking for a unique idea. Here's kind of the, the theme behind the song. It was inspired by my favorite old teen movies. I'd love you to produce and direct something let me know what you think yeah that was great I do remember that little cafe and then I remember we sort of did a few brainstorm ideas there and then I listened to it on my way home and then I felt like a, an, an, a nice idea came just like oh it was like in the middle of the night and I remember leaving you this really long voicemail which just yeah. <laughs> said I think we should do this it was perfect I think one of the ideas you had was to have loads of different couples kissing in different sort of scenarios and stuff which was so cool but then we started to look at the logistics of it and it was just going to be a lot and thank goodness we didn't do that because that was we made that video right before the pandemic when it was yeah <laughs> when COVID was so we would have been the super spreaders swimming around in the air <laughs> yeah yeah but the idea that you did come up with I just love and it's probably my favorite video of all the videos I've ever done if you haven't seen it, it follows a young boy, um, our little superstar called Cody Malko, who is a student at Sylvia's. That's how we managed to, to get him from your connections there. And it kind of follows him, starts in his bedroom and he's watching this old romantic movie and he's kind of learning how to kiss because he's going to this school dance and he, he likes this girl there and then he goes to the dance there's loads of kids and they're really really sweet and awkward kind of teenagers and I uh, well you need to watch and see if he gets his, his kiss in the end but it was <laughs> such a sweet just very cool had a bit of retro vibes and was definitely inspired by our experiences in the 90s and the early noughties going to awkward school dances yeah yeah definitely I loved it I loved that it was set in that kind of era and it was just I mean I look back on that shoot so fondly partly because it was the last thing we got to do before the world went mad so it felt like oh god so glad we did that because it was just so fun like every element of it was fun and I think when you're working with a really small crew and you're all kind of having to do a few different jobs to make it all work and everybody's pulling in a favor or um asking their friends to be involved it just creates this atmosphere of real you know proper desire to be there and and want for the piece to be cool and then it was also just really fun content like filming trying to trying to get a bunch of kids to step click and stuff yeah a lot no they were great they were really good but it's also it's just really funny like because as well none of them knew each other so by the end it was actually like a real school disco like you could tell a few of them were wanting to chat to each other and <laughs> I felt a bit bad being like guys can we do this yeah it's really fun yeah and it was like you say it was there was a lot of favors like for example you lent us your house to film in so 
um Cody's bedroom in the video is actually your bedroom <laughs> and the kitchen yeah. I play as older sister you see me in the beginning that was your kitchen and then we kind of dressed yeah. your bedroom in my old 90s memorabilia that I found in my mum and dad's loft like this little old tv and an old Daffy Duck statue that I used to have and what else was Oh my there? god it was Funny. great yeah. like the, the wool it was so fun because I had it for a few days after you left I think the wool was just covered in posters of people kissing which is really nice to wake up to yeah. and you 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 have like so much stuff that I can't believe you've held on to like just videos and yeah. um to- like weird t- toys from the 90s and lots of sort of like Furby. props there was a Furby. Why do you have that? And I remember there was a, a Jumanji game too. <laughs> yeah, there was Jumanji. Yeah. It was, it, but it, it did look really good. Like it worked really well. And then you got to wear some cool 90s outfits as well. The response to that video was so exciting. And we released it on Valentine's Day uh, 2020, which was just like such a nice moment. It was so fun. And I think he's going to be a big, big like movie star. So we'll be able to say that guy was in your video. Yes, Cody Moko. He's currently in Channel 5 drama, The Drowning. So you can go watch him on that. I think he, yeah, yeah he's like 15 years old, curly hair. He's hard to miss. Yeah. And just, he was so easy to direct, like everything that you said to him, he just did it first time. And he actually brought some good ideas too. He was like, how do you, what are the chords for the song Kissing Fools? Maybe I could play them on the guitar. So that scene where he's being filmed from above and he's lying on his bedroom floor and he's playing the guitar. I just taught him that like two seconds before and then he just went for it and he was awesome. Yeah, it was really good. So that's kind of the videos. You also last year while we were in lockdown and I was trying to be a bit creative at home with my camera and do some <laughs> some self-produced uh, music videos helped me concept jesse let's stay home and you can't catch me yeah and you you just kind of came to me with some ideas and we threw some like thoughts back and forth and then yeah but but the left the left you to your own devices bit like you nailed every one of them I kind of thought we'd talk about the idea and maybe you'd be like oh that's a bit difficult or that's a bit something because the constraints were you have to be able to do this basically just you and Dave because you were the people that were locking down together and just I have such a um I have such love for like really DIY projects music and video wise I just think there's such charm when you can tell that someone just did it completely on their own and obviously you know technically I suppose they're not always as shiny but I think it's just like it takes real creativity and also it's just so fun for you to think that you made those ones all on your own and they were great (laughs) they were actually a lot of fun to make the editing part was long and stressful but but a good skill to learn while I had the time on how to edit a video Mm. which is your favorite of the three oh um I don't know I'm I guess I'm proud of them for different reasons like I think let's stay home I had to choreograph a routine for that that was sort of that ended up being backwards and that was really hard to nail and I did so many takes and I was so over it by like the fourth hour (laughs) but um so yeah but but you can't catch me this sort of 
80s aerobics workout video with Dave and our other friend also Dave was just hilarious that was so much fun (laughs) (laughs) that was great I think Jesse's got the most kind of beautiful stills that you could cut away from and it looks really gorgeous but then you can't catch me it was just good fun feeling silly and the Dave's the Dave's were great yeah (laughs) and your outfit was brilliant too thank you I I was pretty (laughs) pleased with the outfit in the end I had so many different versions of what it was going to be and in the end I was like I'm just gonna go with the pink shiny tights like I was shying away from them but at the end of the day I was like that's what it has to be oh they're perfect like pastels gross 80s amazing (laughs) yeah anyway it's international women's day today although by the time this podcast airs it will no longer be but Millie and I we have spent lots of international women's days together one of them being in Morocco in 2015 and we were over there songwriting at the time I was getting ready to release an EP and I was basically just wanting to get a good group of writers together in a cool place and see what we could come up with yeah so one of the songs that we worked on in Morocco was Spoonful of Sugar which was basically just like us in the hot sun having a party having some drinks but for the most part making great music and writing fun lyrics oh yeah I will forever remember that week as just like one of the maddest greatest things I'm sure I'll ever do because it was just so fun. It was it was really good people in such an amazing place that none of us had been to before. Having this beautiful food every day. We helped a dog give birth to some puppies. <laughs> it was amazing. And then in amongst that, we wrote some songs, which I think were really cool. And yeah, Long Way Home. And then Spoonful of Sugar. I'm so happy it's out in the world because I, I guess it's... We just, oh, well, I forgot about it for a while. I guess you were like waiting on maybe the right moment. It had been shelved for like kind of three years um, and I'd always wanted to do something with it but it, I mean it didn't really fit in with the vibe of everything else I was doing but in 2018 when I sat down to write the album Neptune's Daughter most of the songs on the record are were written in 2018 but there was room for like one or two from my past that you know deserved a place and Spoonful of Sugar was one of them. And what is actually quite cool about that recording is a lot of the a lot of the songs changed quite a lot from demo form into final album master. But Spoonful of Sugar, we kind of totally kept the same the same vibe, the same framework, the same arrangement. Um and we even replicated like all the backing vocals down to a T. I'm sure if we I'd had the original session file from Spoonful of Sugar, we could even have used parts of that but people always ask me what the what the lyrics are about and and I I tell them this story and tell me if you think this is right because sometimes I remember things a little differently and it was like we say a hundred degrees and we were a little bit tipsy (laughs) but the the Airbnb that we were staying in in Morocco was um way down this little dirt path I mean we were miles and miles from civilization I think we had to walk like an hour and a half to get to flag down a taxi to take us oh yeah oh god yeah that one day yeah (laughs) yeah um and we were close to Marrakesh but we were down down this dirt road but the the place we were staying at had this stunning like 
beautiful garden that I think we were kind of saying, oh, it's like the Garden of Eden. And that is what inspired the the verse lyrics anyway of Spoonful of Sugar. Yeah, I have a really specific memory where Anders and Alex said, oh, we want to work on this little bit of um, some of the instruments in the chorus. Do you guys want to just go away and write the verse? And I just remember us doing laps of the garden, probably only like five laps, just walking up and down the garden. And the words just came, this, the little speech kind of bit that you do in the beginning. Yeah, which I think yeah. initially, I can't remember if we had a melody or if we just had the lyrics. It goes, I was walking down a kind of thorny road one day, so a sign f- said forbidden, do not walk this way, which was kind of the forbidden fruit thing. And I ain't the kind of girl that plays by the rules and you sat dressed in temptation. That was supposed to be the snake who was being tempting at the, oh, yeah, yeah. At the tree. Um, you called me over and I lay there at your feet. Couldn't smell there was danger because the air was so sweet. That was like all the smells of the garden. Yeah. Um, I was just the sucker you were waiting to meet and something else. But You're my poison and my You're my poison else. and my medication. That was it. So Yeah, so that being, and that was, yeah. But that was basically what it was inspired by, this kind of Garden of Eden thing that we were in. Yeah. But then when we went into lay down some vocals, Anders was like, you should try do this in a kind of talky, speaky, Cheryl Crow-esque way. Did you always do it in your accent or it originally did it? Did you do it in a kind of American put on thing? I think I always did it in a soft version of my accent. I never, no, I never did it in an accent in a put on accent but it what it was definitely a bit softer and then in the final album recording I did let my accent really come through a bit more yeah I really like that I like the Scottishness in your album I think there's a lot of Scottishness which is really nice that was something that Machine the producer really was like you know pushed on he was like you need to be confident about who you are and where you're from and let that shine through in moments which was awesome for someone to kind of give me the to allow me to do that I suppose because it's so easy to to slip into some version of an American accent or something because that's so much of the music that we hear and that we listen to and it's almost subconscious a bit of the time um when you do that and I also think coming from our theatrical background you kind of taught this neutral singing voice where I definitely had my sort of Scottishisms nailed out of me at a young age from a singing teacher even here absolutely yeah but it's just so charming when you hear it on the album or not even charming but I suppose it's just sounds very real and or maybe because I know you but I think if you'd done that in an American accent it could have sounded a bit don't know yeah just a bit like wannabe whereas when you do it on your own it sounds really cool thanks Mills also your accent's great an accent like mine might not work so well <laughs> but Scottish is so musical that I feel like it kind of really works with the music yeah yeah I mean there's there's definitely like I remember when Ed Sheeran first released his music and I was like whoa he's like sort of talking in his own accent you never really heard anything like that before or I hadn't anyway but I think mm. when people do that and they do it so confidently it does really come across well and that's part of that I think why he was so successful he was just very much him yeah definitely definitely well Millie thank you so much for being a guest on my podcast thank you for having me it's been nice to think about these past things that we've 
been through together. I know, especially after more than a year of just not hanging out or seeing each other. Yeah. Yeah. But we have years ahead of us to work on lots of exciting projects, more songs. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I feel like maybe this summer we can do some sort of trip to see each other. Definitely. Come up to Scotland. That's what I'm telling actually everyone I speak to. I'm like, come to Scotland. (laughs) Oh, my God, in a heartbeat. I am surrounded by so much concrete at the moment. Like, I need to come to those mountains where you live. Do it. All right, thanks, Mel. See you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye.